Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. And um, yes, so intention. Well, maybe um, to start, maybe we can sing together a little bit. And this isn't, this talk isn't only about intention, which is a really powerful energy and, and the Buddha spoke a lot about it, but specifically intention from the heart or the open heart. Um, when our hearts are open, they're naturally inclined in connective and caring ways. And when we can set intentions from that open-hearted place, we, um, we not only offer peace to others, but we also experience peace. So a song that we can sing a little bit just to, to, to help us kind of hunker down into the topic um, is just the words, may I be an instrument of peace. And um, these are words originally attributed <laughs> to St. Francis of Assisi, but really they were spoken long before and will be spoken long after by many, many beings. Deep intention. May I be an instrument of peace. May I be an instrument of peace. May I be an instrument of Intention. Intention is the powerful energy that precedes action. And it's so important that the Buddha singled it out of all the different kind of energies that flow through us. He singled it out as the point at which we create our karma. We create our well-being or our stress at this point of intention. He said, Intention, I tell you, is karma. And intentions can be really big, like huge umbrella intentions for our lives, or they can be microscopic. 
the intention before you pick up a pencil. We tend to be most familiar with the idea of, of these larger intentions. So I want to start there. We could call large intention aspirations. An aspiration is a strong desire to achieve something. And in the context of intention, an aspiration is a values-driven large goal. I have a story about my own largest aspiration. About 25 years ago, the Buddhist teacher, local Buddhist teacher, Gil, local to the California Bay Area, Buddhist teacher, Gil Fransdahl, asked me what my deepest intention was. And I was really startled, I had no idea. So it took me a long time, like weeks, of really, really pondering it and thinking about it. And finally, what I came up with was the phrase, I want to be peace and bring peace. So that was the goal I set. <laughs> and now it's 25 years later, and in the intervening years, there's been many inner and outer obstacles, many challenges, many mistakes. But I continue to be guided by that large aspiration to be peace and bring peace. And in Buddhist teaching, these overarching aspirations are considered wise if they're coming from an understanding of the true source of well-being and the teaching and what we can practice and see for ourselves is true is that the true source of well-being are qualities of the open heart so qualities of connection and care generosity and patience truthfulness qualities we might consider ethical integrity, but more than that, the warmth of compassion and appreciation. Those kinds of qualities are taught in Buddhism to be the ground for inner peace. The Buddha didn't ask us to take this on faith. We're also invited to cultivate mindfulness so we can see clearly what's happening in our lives. And with this capacity for clear seeing, notice, is it true that when I cultivate and practice these qualities of the open heart, do I feel more ease? We're all invited to explore that for ourselves. But this notion of being in alignment with um, the qualities of care and integrity, being the ground for peace, is considered wise understanding in Buddhism, your wise view. The Dalai Lama has famously said, my religion is kindness. And he was not being flip. His religion really is kindness. And so is ours if we subscribe to the Buddhist path we see we practice and we and we practice with awareness and we see the relationship between kindness and freedom and the open heart 
and the fact that the open heart really does hold deep, deep, profound wisdom. So this idea of open-heartedness and care informing our large aspiration applies to another form of intention, this small, almost microscopic sometimes form of intention, a micro-momentary level of intention, which shows up with a word that I would use, volition. So we have our aspirational intentions and then we have our volitional intentions. In the dictionary, the word volition is defined as the power of choosing or determining. The power of choosing or determining. It essentially means will. When we make a choice or a decision and then we act on that choice or decision. And it can be, you know, like, you know, clear that we're making a choice like, okay, I'm going to this week, I'm actually going to go to the grocery store rather than order my groceries. And I'm going to, you know, <laughs> we make decisions about behaviors, but a lot of times um, there we've made decisions decades ago, established habits with them, and then our habitual sort of volitional decisions move through us before we take an action. The Buddha said, intention, I tell you, is an action. Through intention, one acts by way of body, speech, and mind. And as I was saying, most of the time, intention at this level is unconscious. But with mindfulness, volitional intention can be made conscious. And there's huge value in this. When we can see some of our intentions at the micro level, we can determine whether they're coming from neutrality or friendliness or from reactivity. So the big three sort of reactive sources in Buddhism, and I would say in general, are greed, hatred, we call them greed, hatred, and delusion, or you can think of them as the energy of craving, the energy of aversion, and the energy of spaced out ignorance. And these we could collectively call reactivity. So just as at the macro aspirational level, we don't want to cultivate or continue aspirations that come from addictive craving or hate or ignorance. Similarly, at the micro level of intention, we want to have awareness so that we're not coming from reactivity and we are cultivating intention that creates peace. So a great place to work with this micro level of intention is on meditation retreat. A Buddhist teacher in Germany who's an acquaintance of mine told a story recently about being retreat in Burma some years ago. The Sayadar teacher of the retreat told her, you should focus on intention. And at first she was like, what does he mean? And then she realized that he meant this volitional intention. And she brought her attention to the energy during walking of lifting, the energy of moving, and then the energy of placing the foot. Immediately before each aspect of stepping, 
there's the intention to do so. And when you slow down on retreat, including online retreats and even in daily practice, when we slow down, we can notice volitional intention around walking or other movement. And you know, there, there, of course, there are some actions that are not volitional where we really don't mean to do something or, or that it's, it's deeply limbically automatic, automated, like with breathing. But a lot of our actions are volitional and, and bringing awareness to those intentions, especially in a neutral one like with walking, is helpful because we strengthen the muscle of being able to perceive these small intentions. And then we can begin to perceive when they're skillful or when they're reactive. And if I have enough mindfulness to see that a volitional intention is coming from some reactivity, there's an, there's an opportunity to let it go. And this way we can cultivate deeper peace. James Barris, our teacher here, has said, if you're not choosing intention, conditioning will. So whatever habits we've developed from our childhood and beyond will be our response to stimuli unless we intervene. I once heard Jack Cornfield say, most conditioning is pain. So much of what we learn and take in and habituate comes from a mistaken understanding or the mistaken understanding of our caregivers when we're young about ourselves and about what actually brings happiness. We repeat what we learn and what we see, and much of that is based on delusion. When you think about it, we see so much greed and so much hatred. Why would anyone who stopped to think about it have the belief that greed or hatred would bring anything other than suffering or stress? But we humans keep making that wrong assumption over and over again. I'll change for the better if I beat myself up. You'll change for the better if I'm cruel to you. I'll be happy if I get this or that excessive material thing. I'll be happy if I do this or that unethical thing or this or that unhealthy thing. Really? Both awareness and neuroscience show that beliefs like these are not true, but until we replace old assumptions with new intentions, our habits prevail. Teacher Gil Fronstall says, intentions are consequential. When we act on them, they have impact in the world. When we act on, whether we act on them or not, they have internal impact on mind and heart. They contribute to our mood and to the quality of our mental life. Ah, so whether we're thinking about aspirational intention or volitional intention, how do we work skillfully? How do we, you know? If this makes sense to you, what I'm sharing, then, then what's the next step? So first of all, a mindfulness practice is super, super useful. <laughs> I'm laughing because really like mindfulness practice is super useful no matter what aspect of the path you're working with. It's just like so helpful. 
but it's super, super useful with intention. And then beyond mindfulness, the Buddha taught three wise intentions that we can know about and then cultivate on all levels and practice. So we practice these three wise intentions every time we come to circles like this, every time we practice mindfulness or engage in generosity or patience or other qualities of the open heart. And these three wise intentions can be applied at any level, as I was saying. And they're translated from Pali as renunciation, goodwill, and compassion. So renunciation, the first one, can be a weird word for many of us. Most of us are not imminently giving up our possessions and becoming monastics. So for us lay people, I prefer the words simplifying and letting go. Have you ever heard of a woman named Marie Kondo? <laughs> She's a Japanese tidying expert. She has several best-selling books and the most famous one is called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And she has a TV series on Netflix. And in this show, she goes into people's homes and helps them let go of clutter and organize what they're keeping so that their homes become spacious and orderly. The notable thing to me about Marie Kondo's show is the people what happens to them when they let go of their stuff. It's really interesting. People become notably happier and notably more connected with the other people in their household. It's really beautiful to witness. The Buddha says over and over and over again that letting go leads to peace. And even as lay people, there are things we can do to let go, not only of material things that maybe no longer serve us, or as Marie Kondo says, no longer spark joy, but also, you know, when we, when we do the inner work, we, there are, there's, there's habits and thought forms that we over and over and over again work to let go, come back into the present, let go. Letting go is a central tenet of equanimity too. So thoughts and stories that are disturbing to us, letting go of trying to control what we can't really control, like the past and other people. These are all practices of renunciation or simplifying. And on the micro volitional level too, letting go leads to more ease. Letting go of a desire and dropping into the present moment can be a big relief. You can experiment with this yourself and see what you notice. So that's the first of the three wise intentions taught by the Buddha, renunciation or letting go. The second one is goodwill. Goodwill is friendliness towards ourselves and others. It's basically kindness, as the Dalai Lama said, cultivating it in all aspects of our lives. 
It can be a small moment of consideration all the way up to a life choice like a livelihood that helps others, which is known in Buddhism as wise livelihood. So there's renunciation, there's goodwill, and the third wise intention is compassion. Compassion is the courageous energy of care meeting pain of any kind. And rather than pushing difficult experiences away, they can be embraced with compassion. Compassion can be gentle and soothing, but it can also be fierce. We can come from a place of compassion when we protect, provide for, and motivate ourselves and others. So these energies of letting go, goodwill, and compassion can be large aspirational intentions. We can also look for them and cultivate them in many of the micro moments of volitional intention. The idea is that all this effort around intention will bear you the fruit of inner peace. The Buddha also taught about wise effort that we do, we do sometimes need to pull up our sleeves and do the work, not in a striving way, but, but also something, you know, like in 12 steps, they say, easy does it, but do it. So the wise effort of, of showing up for our, our big sort of guiding intentions, and then bringing mindfulness into these daily moments and the intention that precedes action. So wherever you're working or using your effort around intention, you're engaging the inner conditions for ease and they're led by the open heart. So I'd like to share uh, a poem by Rumi called The Silkworm. This is one of my, actually, one of my very favorite poems. I stood before a silkworm one day, and that night my heart said to me, I can do things like that. I can spin skies. I can be woven into love that can bring warmth to people. I can be soft against a crying face. I can be wings that lift and I can travel on my thousand feet throughout the earth, my sacks filled with the sacred. And I replied to my heart, dear, can you really do all those things? And it just nodded yes in silence. So we began and will never cease. So I want to invite us into a guided practice on intention, because it's one thing to talk about these things, but 
the rubber meets the road in practice. So let's practice together. So make yourself comfortable, as comfortable as possible. And if eyes closed supports your practice, go ahead and close your eyes. And invite yourself to consider a possible intention to work with. The size doesn't matter. Could be large, medium, or small. See what speaks to you. Is there a quality or value you would like to express or experience more in your life? A simple thought, authentic and positive. And if several arise, try to focus on one for now. It can be a word or a sentence. You can begin with the wish form, may I, or you can try beginning it with I am. And when something comes to you, you can remember it or you can write it down. Returning to mindfulness, feeling your body and breath. Now focus on this intention, something you want more of in your life. Allow yourself to repeat it like whispering into your own ear. Notice how it lands and adjust it if you want to. Now, imagining how you might live this intention in some specific situations, maybe calling to mind some situations from daily life and imagining how you might live this intention.
And as you're imagining, see if you can feel the difference in your body or emotions. Lastly, think of something you can do to support yourself in remembering and acting on this intention going forward. Thank you for your kind attention. Ah, so um, we have time now for if there are any questions, comments, observations, obstacles, any anything, and you can either raise your actual hand and I'll look for actual hand, or or if you know how to make the little blue hand go up, go for it. How was that for you to, to think about and practice with intention? Wendy? Um, well, I had a question, but it's not exactly about that practice, about your talk. Um, yeah. I, I really liked your talk. I, I like this topic a lot. And um, I was just thinking about, um, you know, how there's a talk about intent versus impact. Mm -hmm. So we might have a good intention, but it might not fall well with someone else yeah notably around racism this has been a, a big topic yeah. of well-meaning white people act a certain way but it actually ends up being kind of racist to a person of color yeah. but yeah. in all in lots of areas in our lives it could be you know other areas too so i was just wondering like how you like I would think then then a person would reflect and, and sort of rework their intention, but I was wondering how you think about have that question. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that I think that intention is an inside job, but we still work with our conditioning quite a bit. And we can be grateful when when we discover, we learn, or somebody has the courage to let us know that our intention is not, is because of our conditioning, is not landing in a way that's helpful. Um, so you can, sometimes it's a matter of going back and tweaking the intention, but a lot of times, like if, if your intention is something like basic friendliness, but the way it's expressed via conditioning isn't it has a negative impact then the issue is working with the conditioning or the or the actual action but the intention can stay intact the dalai lama has this wonderful saying he says 
um, I've heard it said several different ways, but the way I remember it is he said, some people think I'm a saint and some people think I'm Satan himself. In fact, I'm a simple monk and I rest my, um, I rest my sense of confidence in my intention. And I, that what's valuable about that is that like when we know that our, our, our heart has come from an open place, we can find some ease there, even as we work to transform, you know, cultural suffering, including how it's expressed through us. So I don't know if that gets to it, but that would be my response. Yeah, I think the thing about conditioning is really key that um, it can sort of distort our intention. Seems like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just sort of wonder also about delusion because like part of white privilege is delusion in a way. And I, I don't, yeah. 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 So, so then the wise action becomes learning. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, if nobody taught you history correctly, then, then we take responsibility to go back and learn history as it actually happened. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, social justice movements as they actually evolved or whatever it mm -hmm. is. Um, so we take responsibility at that level without, but without shame or beating ourselves up. Mm -hmm. Because we learned what we were taught. And so now we're taking responsibility for that and making change. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts around intention, either the aspirational or the volitional or Jim? Let's see. Unmute. Hi. Nice to see you. Hi. Nice to see you too. Um, yeah. A nice um, meditation for me. It worked tonight uh, in particular. I've been, um, oh, it's a funny year, right? I mean, with so little, face-to-face <laughs> -face interaction and <laughs> all kinds of funny things but but through a combination of of different different things what I've come to see is you know I like to think of myself as being you know moderately nice kind gentle person gentleness is probably a, a good virtue of mine but what I've come to see also is you know through the um you know, through my upbringing, my parents were, you know, kind and gentle and all those, you know, just and fair, but warmth wasn't the, um, wasn't the forte of my family growing up, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so, although I think that I'm, you know, friendly enough, sensing inner warmth doesn't quite, you know, come so natural. You know, they, they talk about, you know, you feed, you feed the wolf of anger or the wolf of hatred or the wolf of love or whatever but you know sort of parsing that down a little bit you know whatever it is that we feed in ourselves is kind of what grows and warmth just isn't something that i've learned to um learn to feed in my own life mm -hmm. um it just isn't sort of what comes to mind and so i've been paying attention for a couple of months now you know through some other guided meditations of 
of realizing that I just didn't have warm feelings for myself. I have respect for myself or kindness or compassion for myself, but not warmth yeah. um, for a lot of aspects of myself. And so I've been paying attention to that. And, and the intention, I think, I've been paying attention and intention with, with interesting um, etymologies must be tangled up together. Yeah. Um, but paying attention to the intention, I think, and you know, your, your Dharma talk tonight was, I think, useful in sort of focusing me back towards you know, intention again. And the intention is to pay more attention to you know, the, you know, the fact that there is warmth within, I mean, kind of what I've discovered over the last couple of months is there is a warmth that I have towards myself and there is a warmth that I have towards other people. And I don't spend as much time nurturing that, feeding that, um, giving space for that. Yeah. And that what what wants to happen in my life is, is uh, the, the word that keeps coming to mind often, I guess, is giving space for that. And intention is maybe one of the key um key components of, you know, I need to have the intention to over and over and over and over give space for warmth, pay attention to warmth, you know, where is it, notice it, um, yeah. encourage it when I see it, encourage it when I see it in others, when I see it in myself, I um, maybe encouraging others to feel it for themselves, you know, the previous who, who was who was just talking. Wendy was talking about, you know, our in, our um, intention versus what is <laughs> what is received is differently. Yeah. But sort of allowing the space to, you know, notice, you know, when we pay attention, you know, does the other person wince or does the other person go, ah, that was kind of you. <laughs> we may have intended it, intended it with warmth, with kindness but maybe it was received for whatever reasons differently and to notice that and anyway so that was yeah yeah that's great well i think that's a beautiful beautiful intention and it sounds like it's already been something you've been cultivating for some months so that's great and the only thing that i would add that i've found helpful around cultivating warmth is just knowing what it looks like and um so you know, from the world of mindful self-compassion, what we know about about emotional warmth is the is that it shows up in terms of tone of voice, like ah, oh, kind of. Ooh, it's a mammalian thing. It's not just humans. It's all mammals. So those kinds of sounds in a voice, or including the voice between our ears, like yeah, I care about you. You know, that's you know so tone and then also um, safe supportive touch is a way that mammals convey warmth, emotional warmth. So um, yeah, and I, I agree first cultivating it within and then and then also encouraging it or noticing it in others. And those, that's how we do it. That's how I do it too. Yeah, it's beautiful. And then that whole other piece about impact um, you know, it's tricky because on the one hand, we, we, we really want to connect. And on the other hand, sometimes, um, and I, this is separate from the discussion of, around um, racism, 
but around a discussion like just just watching for others' visual cues, we have to discern what's our impact and what's their conditioning. So it gets a little tricky. Yeah. But in terms of cultivating warmth, yay. You know, that's a beautiful, a beautiful aspiration. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I had one guided meditation where I sort of saw myself up, come up behind myself and put my hands on my shoulders and just give a little bit of a... That's great. <laughs> that's great. Ah, that feels, it feels good to give it to myself and it feels good to receive it from yeah. myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jim. Ah. So anybody else have any questions or reflections or anything around intention tonight? Okay. I have a question. Yeah. Um, is yeah. there a way, what ways do you recommend that you kind of just bring this into your daily life? Maybe like. Yeah. So um, the two the two ways that I work with intention is first of all having an overarching intention like a GPS to guide my life. What are my values, and and then creating an intention that speaks to those. So um, so spending some time thinking about what what a, an intention like that might be, can be really helpful. Um, we already know what matters to us. And so just tuning into that and then letting that kind of help us shape our intention, our, our larger intentions. It's been really helpful to me. And then, so that's the aspirational intention. And then with the little volitional intentions, there's two things, one is, as I mentioned in the talk, practicing mindfulness and seeing them. And it's a humbling experience because there's so much conditioning. And so like I see that immediately preceding this thing that I said, um, you know, there was a little bit of uh, aversion energy. And that's very humbling to notice, but also super helpful. Because if I see that Sometimes before I speak, there's a little aversion energy. Then the next time I can practice to look out for that and, and choose not to speak. If I'm noticing the aversion energy arising, knowing or having faith, if not knowing that aversion energy won't serve my peace or the peace of the other person. Um, so practicing mindfulness to work with those small intentions and being aware of them and then working with them is really, really helpful. And as I said in the talk, sometimes we a good place to work with that level is on retreat, but it's not impossible to do at home in your if you have a daily meditation practice to do there or in online retreats at home. And you can slow down a little bit and look at intentions that precede actions. Yeah. Thank you, Diane. Okay, so um, I'm going to share a screen with you and 
lead us in a song. And I'll lead us in a song about intention that I've done here a number of times called Gardener. And then we'll do our song dedication of merit. So um, I wrote this song after hearing Thich Nhat Hanh talk about how the mind is like a garden. It's really hard not to go where my whims urge me to go, but I know what sort of person I'm longing to become. If I want to help anybody in the world before I die, if I want the suffering all around us to subside, I have got to be more conscious of the things I do and don't do. Every little seed in time will flower. Plant the ones that lead me down a path toward really helping. I am the garden, but I'm also the gardener. In this very moment, I read truth from choices past. Choices for the future are made now. Certain habits deeply rooted flourish in the heart of me. Repetition, like the seasons, comes naturally. Some of it's good, some of it's not. Right now this is all I've got But it doesn't mean it's all I'll ever be Choosing which part of me to act from Is easier when I know what I want to become I am the garden But I'm also the gardener subtle than it first appears. It's not just about some money that the homeless man. It's about perceiving what's happening in this very moment, then deliberately choosing to extend love. It's really hard not to go where my whims urge me to go, but I sort of person I'm longing to become if I won't help anybody in the world before I die if I want suffering all around us to subside I have got to be more conscious of the things I do and don't do every little seed in time will flower Buddha said that 
our work is about training the mind. We're the garden, but we're also the gardener. So now we will close our session together tonight with a dedication of merit. May every living be our minds as one and radiant with light. Share the fruits of peace with hearts of goodness, luminous and bright. If people hear and see how hands and hearts can find in giving unity, may our minds awake to great compassion, wisdom, and to joy. May kindness find reward, may all who sorrow leave our grief and pain. May this boundless light meet the darkness of our sacred night. Because our hearts are one, this world of pain turns into Paradise. May all become compassionate and wise. May all become compassionate and wise. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.